This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everybody, it's Tyler. Uh, Before we get started this week, I just wanted to uh, intro our introduction. Uh, Let me explain. Last year when we found out that the minor league baseball season had been canceled for 2020, I contacted uh, some people that I know who were musicians and had them send their own renditions of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And we opened our first episode after the cancellation of the 2020 season uh, with a a guitar version of Take Me Out to the Ball Game by my uncle, um, C.A. Waller, who is a blues musician in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, We also had another submission from a a good friend of mine named John Snodgrass. And uh, both of those takes, I kind of posed to them as, you know, I guess have it reflect the moment and the feeling of the moment. So a little bit melancholy and a little bit uh, mournful and yet so moving that I felt like on this week's episode of the show before the show, the first episode of the 2021 minor league baseball season, when we know that minor league baseball is back and that hopefully we will never have to say goodbye to it again, we should return to those moments and think about how far we've come. And I felt like the music for this week should reflect that as well. And so with that, John Snodgrass opens us up for this week's edition of the show before the show. I really do not know how after uh, 14 months with no minor league baseball and no knowledge of when we would once again have minor league baseball, I am not entirely sure how to start this show. It's like a very uh, emotional, very exciting, uh, kind of electrifying feeling to be here on the day of the 2021 openers across minor league baseball as MILB opening day has arrived for the first time since 2019. My name is Tyler Mon, along with Sam Dykstra and Benjamin Hill. Uh, guys, it has been way too long. It's good to see you as always. We've been doing shows uh, for the last, you know, 14 months with an eye on, well, someday we'll get it back. Someday we'll have games again. Someday we'll get to talk about prospects. Someday we'll get to talk about promotions and all that. And now it's here and it's insanity. And uh, I think for the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking, I don't want to get too excited. 
but we've arrived for the last several days. Teams have been posting on social media about their players getting there and roster announcements and all of it. Let's uh, Benjamin Samuel. Let's, let's start with uh, what the feeling is like today. Sam, tell me about uh, obviously this has been uh, a swift run up to the start of the season for you kind of getting um, you know, the, the previews together of what some of these rosters will look like and prospects to keep an eye out on, but how are you feeling right now? It's to be full transparency. We're recording this on the day before opening day. So it's really like the night before Christmas. Um, um, but give me the give me the feeling from your side today. Yeah, there's this um, there's this other film podcast that I listen to. It's called Empire, uh, tied to Empire Magazine, and they always talk about over there how every day feels like Christmas Eve because there's trailers, there's there's all sorts of previews that come out about movies, and then the movie comes out and you kind of move past it quickly on to the next big thing. It's felt like. Christmas Eve almost every day for like 14 months, like you were saying, like we were always in anticipation of something coming and it never really came. And even when we thought it might come and it never did, we had the season canceled last year when we thought there was maybe a hope that it could happen in the second half. We, we thought there would be triple a opening day in April of this year that got pushed back a month uh, to start with the rest of the leagues. So the fact that we are sitting here on May the 3rd, and there are actually games scheduled tomorrow. There are tickets that have been purchased. There are people who are going to the games. There are rosters that are being set. There are players that we know exactly where they will be at, at opening time for first pitch. It's, it's almost difficult to fathom even um, just because we have been waiting for this for so long. And, and I don't think it's going to feel fully real until that, you know, first 93 mile an hour fastball comes in for strike one. Uh, I'm not saying like there's any reason to doubt. There is no reason to doubt. It's it's literally because for the last 14 months, we have been working on talking about minor league baseball and what it means to us and, and what uh, it has been in the past and could be in the future. And now it's here in the present. And I love that feeling so much. And, and I can't wait for that moment to finally come. And, you know, future shows, we're going to be talking about what actually happened instead of what could happen. And that's going to be such a relieving transition um, but Ben, you know, you, you've been in the same boat, just trying to come back with diving into the history of the minor leagues, diving into the changes of the minor leagues. Now that we were actually here again on May the 3rd, what's going through your head? Yeah, I'm looking forward to writing about, um, I don't want to quite say actual things because everything I've been writing about is actual, it exists in the real world. Um, but at the same time, you know, responding to something that's happening now or, um, writing about something that just happened is a very exciting thing. You know, it's been so long and maybe my math is different than yours, but you guys kept saying 14 months. I think it's been 19 months since my yeah, league since baseball. Since we actually had games. Yeah. Since we actually had games yeah. in the sense of uh, September 2019 to May, <laughs> late, you know, late September in terms of the very last game of the playoffs, the AAA championship game and September, mid-September 2019 to May 4th, 2021 is just an absurdly long time to be uh, writing, covering, talking about minor league baseball and uh, not actually having any happen. Um, and now that it is happening, you know, it's been so long that now it, the, the normal feels like there isn't this thing called minor league baseball. It's just this abstraction we talk about. Maybe waiting for Godot would be an appropriate reference, but I think I read that in high school and I don't really know, but it seems like a literary reference to make, you know, it was always this thing that we were, that we talked about and we were anticipating and it, just never actually was happening. And then the waiting became the new normal. And now the new normal starting tomorrow is going to be the old normal. 
Minor League Baseball. So let's go. I'm excited. It's been far too long, no matter how you calculate it. Well, Ben, you've been working on uh, some of the stuff for folks to keep an eye on promotions and um, obviously covering the the business and new ballparks and new team identities and all that type of stuff. Uh, give us a rundown. This opening week is so interesting, and we've discussed this a lot over the last few months. Teams haven't really busted out the full-on promotional muscle or might that we're used to for the start of a season because in so many locations across the country, we're not going to have full stands as of yet. There will still be crowd limitations and all of that. Um, but give us a, a look ahead at this first week and um, on starting on Tuesday, today, opening day, when you're hopefully listening to this episode, all but 10 of the now 120 minor league teams uh, will be in action. The AAA West won't start until Thursday, the 6th. But uh, give us the rundown of what the landscape looks like across the, the business and promotion side in this first First week as we welcome MILB back. Yeah, I mean, pretty light on that front um, with reduced capacities in most locations and, uh, you know, a whole host of restrictions in terms of the sort of promotions you can do. Um, it's pretty light. So going into the season, I think once the initial like, whoa, it's happening, you know, that we get past that. I'm a little wary right now, just in terms of like how much exciting, fun promotional stuff will be going on, especially with these reduced capacities. I had an article come out today on MLB.com uh, and other affiliated type websites in, in our orbits uh, on, uh, you know, promos to look forward to uh, beginning tomorrow, but throughout the whole season, you know, I think early on one that I lead the story with chronologically, but I think is indicative of a common promotion. Uh, I've seen other teams do variations of this or will do variations of this. And we knew this was coming as soon as the pandemic hit that minor league teams were going to have to do things to honor the people in the community the frontline workers, the essential workers, uh, that sort of thing. So right off the bat, opening night uh, with the Omaha Storm Chasers, that's a Tuesday. They have a weekly recurring promo called Thank You Tuesday. Thank You Tuesdays. And uh, so every single Tuesday home game, I think there'll be 10 of them, will focus on a different industry, have people from the community in that industry out to the ballpark, you know, first pitches, recognition, um, charitable tie-ins, all that sort of stuff. Uh, they're soliciting nominations for people, um, you know, throughout the community to get, you know, special recognition um, at the games. And I think that's the sort of thing we're going to see a lot of uh, recurring and standalone, um, you know, promotions related to those people in the community. Minor league baseball is obviously very community oriented and uh, we can see a laser focus on that. Um, but it is tough. Um, you know, a lot of the promos, as we've mentioned many times, are holdovers from 2020. Um, when you have a year of virtually zero revenue, uh, you don't really have the budget to, you know, invest in, in too much more, you know, and uh, 2021 is just going to be tough on that front as well, because, you know, a lot of the money the teams did get in 2020 were, you know, sponsorship and ticketing, uh, you know, holdovers, people saying, we'll maintain this deal, but it didn't really go into effect in, in 2020 because there's no games. So a lot of the the ticketing and sponsorship from 2021 uh, you know, is money that really was already spent in 2020. So not to get dire, but, um, you know, I think it's going to be light. And, you know, the COVID stuff, um, even just on the game day experience between inning type stuff, you know, there's not going to be dizzy bat races or, uh, you know, people running around in, in close quarters and, uh, you know, fans on the field and all that kind of stuff we're used to. So I think it'll be a more muted environment in that regard. But will we still see, you know, the creativity, the goofiness? Of course, you know, one of the columns or one of the uh, promotions I highlight in the column, very typical minor league baseball, you know, Charleston River Dogs toilet paper night, June 26. Yes, we'll see a lot of uh, salutes to frontline workers and essential workers and more somber and serious stuff. 
but we'll also see promotions like salute, you know, satirical snarky salutes to 2020, um, you know, throughout the country, Charleston river dogs, giving away toilet paper on toilet paper night, inviting fans to, you know, TP the ballpark after the game, uh, if they so desire, you know, referring it to the quote unquote at number two promo of the season, you know, on their promotional calendar, toilet paper night, that kind of thing. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff I get most excited about when I'm going through all these promo schedules. A lot of teams still haven't released stuff yet. But when I just see the goofy stuff like Bowling Green Hot Rods having Karen night where everyone named Karen gets in free. And if you're online, you kind of get what that's a reference to. And, you know, individuals who want to speak to the manager and that sort of thing. So you start to wonder, what are Bowling Green Hot Rods going to do on Karen night? Or the Hickory Crawdads just having some theme night called a salute to silverware, where the write-up just seems like people are just like messing around, you know, just brainstorming over drinks and being like, what if we never use silverware? And then just having a promotion dedicated to thinking about that and, then being more appreciative of silverware once you've gone down this uh, this road, this conceptual road in which it does not exist. Uh, so those are the kind of things you know I get excited about. And uh, I end the column with um, Pensacola Blue Wahoo's Festival of Crabzilla. You know that's a huge seafood sandwich that they debuted in 2019. Then they created a logo around it, and on August 11th they're wearing Crabzilla uniforms, which they're saying will be among the ugliest in the history of baseball hinting that there will be the googly crab eyes on the players' butts, you know, proudly using terms like orange eyesore, you know, to describe the uniform as a whole. And that's the kind of stuff, too, obviously I'm looking forward to. The goofy stuff that I can't believe they're doing this kind of stuff. The conceptual theme nights that don't necessarily bring a lot of people to the ballpark specifically, but this show that fun spirit. And uh, that's the kind of stuff I'll be celebrating and advocating for, because I think now more than ever, we need to see that creativity and have people flex those muscles um, just because, because it's minor league baseball and it's been through a lot. Like everyone's been through a lot and uh, been through a very tumultuous time, you know, with the loss of the season and the restructuring. And it's just time to get out there and get goofy and have some fun. I think, I think Karen Knight is the moment I realized like, okay, minor league baseball is really back like once karen knight is on the the schedule and it's just it, here's a random thing that people have been talking about on the internet and how can we highlight it and get our own way into a headline here and there like that's what feels most back to me but ben you and i collaborated on a fan's guide to opening day um which goes almost hour by hour on what fans should be doing if you're listening to this after tuesday it's a little later for you but either something from that guide or just in general, like what is going to be that moment for you? It's going to feel like, okay, we're really into this season. This is all 100% real at this moment. Well, you know, something we talked a lot about last week with, um, you know, kind of once again for the final time going over all the new teams and the new ballparks, the X, Y, and Z. And we've been living for so long with some of these identities um, without taking the field, you know, Rocket City Trash Pandas first and foremost, because they announced that name uh, when they still had a season to go in Mobile as the Bay Bears. Um, so seeing those new team names, those logos, you know, they've been real via their websites and Twitter accounts and tweeting photos of their ballpark. But to finally say the Rocket City Trash Pandas have played a game at their ballpark, uh, you know, Canapolis tomorrow, the only new ballpark debuting tomorrow, May 4th. Canapolis Cannonballers actually playing a game, the Wichita Wind Surge actually playing a game. I think for me, that's when it becomes real when we see these uh, various entities that are technically real and have been real for a long time, but, you know, they really only become real when they manifest themselves on the playing field, you know, in flesh and blood and real life humans wearing these uniforms and real life fans cheering them on. Uh, so to see these uh, 
concepts essentially become true reality is uh i think what's going to be most special for me it is pretty amazing that we have finally reached this milestone and uh to you guys my undying admiration and thanks and uh respect for being able to uh, help keep this podcast fresh for the last year plus you guys are the reason that people tune in and it's been obviously at times I think challenging for us to think okay what are we going to do to you know talk about um, the the next steps or what's coming or the things that will keep this conversation fresh and engaging and you guys are the best in the business and uh, Ben can't wait to finally be able to say oh Benjamin Hill is on the we on the road this week and we're going to talk to him from x y or z um, do you have any ideas of what the first uh, stop will be obviously there are some options around where you guys are. I mean, you could just head uh, to Coney Island and check out a, a Cyclones game sometime soon. That wouldn't really feel like a road trip, quote unquote, for you. But do you have any idea of you know potentially what trips could be coming up for you? Not a hundred percent, and that's on my mind. And people are asking a lot, and you know that's been such a part of who I am professionally. My identity professionally is the guy who goes to the ballpark. So. Part of me is already has anxiety that I don't have a schedule and I'm not telling people I'm going to be here, here and here. Um, but on a personal level, um, yeah, having a 10 week old, 10 weeks tomorrow, 10 weeks on Tuesday. Well, who knows what day it is. <laughs> having a 10 week old uh, at home, you know, is, is changes some of my considerations for how long I want to be gone. At least, you know, when he's a real little guy, baby, Harry, baby, Harry Hill. And um, on one hand, I want to, cover minor league baseball in the here and now because it's a specific time with coming off of COVID and everything. But I also, especially going to a new ballpark and especially, you know, getting on a plane for the first time, I want to go to a place that's kind of, you know, shaken out the rust, gotten to full capacity and is really firing on all cylinders or at least most of them to, so that my coverage, which I'd like to think of is not just for the moment, but part of my larger body of work that, you know, people can go back to and learn from, I want it to be more representative of what I think it will be. So I'm not rushing to get back, especially when it comes to getting out of the great, you know, New York city Northeast region and getting to rocket city and Kannapolis and Wichita and all those places we keep talking about. So that's a long answer of saying, I don't really quite know, but yeah, I'm gonna take the Q train to Coney Island. And uh, I have a car now, personal news. I have a car, um, a 2008 Subaru Outback. If it's, it's really dirty um, right now. It's a long story. I got it from my dad and my stepmom through a series of circumstances. Um, I'm still working out the kinks, but that's going to help me um, at least on the more local level or at least like a long weekend level, um, you know, be a little more free to get out there. And I'm looking forward to that, too. So I'm just rambling, but it comes down to two words. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Benjamin Hill, you can find on Twitter at Ben's Biz. You can find all of his stuff, MLBpipeline.com, MILB.com as well. And uh, Ben, it, it feels so great to finally be in this place, man. And uh, can't wait to start reading your in-season work again. It's been far too long for all of us. Oh, thank you. And just like you said, Tyler, thanks to uh, yourself and to Sam. And uh, we, we all got through it together. And we've gotten some great messages on Twitter and emails. And, you know, people are appreciative of you know, kind of us keeping the conversation going. And then it goes right back to them and you and anyone listening, um, you know, to have an audience that cared throughout this entire period uh, meant a lot. And uh, not just saying that because uh, I don't just say anything. I say what I mean. I'm a man on my word. So thank you uh, to you guys. And thank you to everybody who uh, loves minor league baseball so much that they stuck with it through 14, 18, 19, 37, 164 months, however long it was. We're done. We're moving on. 
Finally, a big show this week as minor league baseball has returned for 2021. The show before the show continues next. This past year has shown us that without your health, you have nothing. If you're not well, you can't work, look after yourself, or take care of your family. You can't enjoy the life you've worked so hard to build. That's why you need to prioritize taking care of your long-term health today, before it goes from good to bad to worse. So invest in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early before it's too late. And catching them early could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. Everyone's health history is different, which is why Forward doctors personalize a health plan with you based on your genetics, lifestyle, and biometrics to achieve long-term results and ensure nothing gets missed. It's time to invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Go to GoForward.com today to protect your future health. That's GoForward.com. GoForward.com. Five years ago, we uh, deemed a podcast episode of this here show before the show from MILB.com, the Megacast, when we were joined by our good friends, Kelsey Hennigan and Josh Jackson. Uh, And I think we deemed it the mega cast because it was like a long episode. And now it's just like how long our episodes always are. So like everything else in modern society, we too have gotten bloated and oversized uh, in the content length of our episodes from week to week. But we continue bringing them to you because you you seem to all enjoy that we ramble on for an hour or that I don't ramble on and that Sam gives you actual knowledge over the course of an hour. And uh, so with that, we are thrilled to bring you the 2021 edition of the Megacast. Thankfully, we didn't last year get a chance to do this and then have to mothball the season, which would have been like a real bummer. Uh, everything got shut down before we were even getting close to opening day. So this is the first time in two years that we welcome in for a season preview episode of the show before the show podcast. Josh Jackson and Kelsey Hennigan, uh, welcome to you both. How uh, how are things in your corners of the world? To, to update people on some lives, Josh is no longer our uh, Los Angeles bureau chief. He has since relocated uh, to I like Portland, to think Maine. I still am. Well, yeah, you could just do it remotely now. You do it from, from three time zones away. Um, Josh still oversees all of our Hollywood content. He does it now from Maine. Josh is in his home state of Maine. Uh, Kelsey's in New York. Uh, you too. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We're happy to be back on the show. We're happy to have a minor league opening day to preview. That is the absolute truth. And it feels uh, so long since we've done this. Now, we did all catch up. Uh, at the end of last year, uh, but now getting set for uh, the start of 2021, you are both, all of you, uh, now within very short distance of full season minor league teams. Uh, for Kelsey and Sam, you guys now close to, to the Brooklyn Cyclones. Uh, Josh, literally like a 20-minute walk away from Hadlock Field, the home of the Portland Sea Dogs. Um, have you all made any plans to attend games yet? Um, I mean, our old, our former editor, Darren Smith, he is very excited to go to Coney Island. He keeps asking uh, some of our former colleagues to go, so we'll definitely have to go there. And then, I mean, Hudson Valley isn't that far away, too. Right. So we've got the Renegades, and now um, Somerset is another close option just on the train. And Trenton Thunder will still have minor league baseball this year, so we get them as well. 
and the formerly uh, Lakewood Blue Claws, now the Jersey Shaw Blue Claws, Jersey Shore Blue Claws. Who, <laughs> their GM actually pointed out to me it's the first time I think he said since the 1960s there have been three different uh, full season minor league teams in the state of New Jersey. Josh, I know you've been anxiously uh, awaiting opening day for the Portland Sea Dogs to get back to your roots uh, in the Charles Johnson era of the Sea Dogs. Are yeah. you? going down to Adlock field to, to kick off the season and have they announced a bark in the park night when you can take Cali to a game, your dog. I don't know that they've announced, I think they're, they're taking it month by month with, with ticketing and stuff. That makes sense. Um, yeah, totally. And I kind of am too. I'm not fully vaccinated yet, so I haven't made firm plans, but I do, I did get let. So <laughs> I had uh, planned this move sometime before I was able to execute it. And I had also purchased tickets for the 2020 Bark in the Park. Event. Right. I did get a refund for that. Oh, so that's good. It does happen. I'll be I'll be going down there for that, but probably I'll I'll get down there before that too. It is you, like you mark earmark those funds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For the next one. They're sitting in an envelope. Lock. Um, the dog earmarks those funds. Ah. Uh, yeah. Big flop. Sam jokes. Why I was on mute to, to hold myself back, really. Well, let's get into this season's preview edition uh, with all four of us. The uh, Are we the four longest tenured of our baseball contents? Obviously, Benjamin Hill, uh, more on the business side, of course. But I think we four, we bold for the fearsome foursome that we are. Uh, we've, we've all been hanging around Kelsey and I since the 2014 season. Um, and, and you guys, yeah, we've done this now crazy that we've done it on the podcast now for five years. Um, but yeah, it's, it feels so strange to be getting back into this because after this off season, it felt like it would never end. We're now, you know, we're recording this a few days before opening day. You're probably listening to it on opening day. I think we've all, or at least I know I have been waiting for like, uh, something else in the world is going to go wrong and we're not going to get this, but now we're here and it just feels amazing. And we get to talk about things like the topics that we are going to discuss today. And here they are. We're going to go through the, the Casey golden Memorial category for the most home runs in the minor leagues in 2021. Uh, the most strikeouts in the minor leagues, which farm system we'll be talking about most the prospect most likely to go viral in 2021. Uh, the exact date on which Wander Franco, the top prospect in baseball gets called up. We're going to give you our ballpark dates for that. Uh, well, not ballpark. We're going to give you literally the date he'll be at the ballpark. So I guess that kind of counts. Uh, and then the top overall prospect on opening day of 2022, those will be our predictions and our discussions, and we are going to go in the following order. Josh, then Kelsey, then Sam, then me. I get to go at the end so I can just pick off something smart that somebody else said. So let's start this thing, fittingly enough, with the most home runs in minor league baseball, our prediction for 2021. Josh Jackson has had a horse that he has ridden in this category for the last several years. Josh, take it away. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to disappoint you so hard. Gosh, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to Casey Golden and Casey Golden's mother. Oh, uh, but I have picked Spencer Torkelson this year. Um, I just think, I mean, the guy has some serious hit tools. And he doesn't have, like, the easiest, most homer-friendly system to go through. But, like... He's skipping the the April weather in the in the uh, high A Central League, He's getting right in there in May, um, and you know I think you know he struggled quite a bit against big league pitching and spring training, 
I think that, if anything, is is going to get him into better position to to mash. It probably gave him something to work on, some some like points of focus for whatever he's been doing since uh, then and until and now. So I think he's going to come out and, and be just ready to just crush some baseballs. And it's like, I don't think anybody doubts his power, right? Like, uh, <laughs> um, and I, you know, I assume, I think that the team starting him at, at high A rather than giving him like a pretty big challenge at double A right out of the gate. And plus the unlikelihood that the Tigers will be um, super competitive. I mean, I, I think it's pretty certain that he's going to spend the whole year in the minors and have the opportunity there to, to hit a lot of home runs. So Torkelson, uh, it is for my pick for this category with huge regrets and apologies to Casey Golden. Kelsey, your pick, most home runs in the minors in 2021. Uh, that is a good one by Josh. I did think about him, but I decided to go a little bit out of the box. Um, I went with Jeremiah Jackson, the Angels' number five prospect. He showed tremendous power back in 2019. He hit 23 homers in 65 rookie advanced games with Orem, and he was one of the youngest players in the league at 19. Um, obviously, that was a couple of years ago, but I think he just continues to get stronger. Um, he has the best power in the Angels system, that's for sure, farm system, of course. Um, he might end up in Tri-City, but could even see Inland Empire, which would be obviously good for his power. Um, you know, his power grades at a 55, but I just think that he's shown that he can do more than that. Um, and I think that he's just been itching to hit real home runs over the past year or so. Um, and plus a lot of the Bauman, the, I don't know, it's still called the Joe Bauman Award, but the guy who wins the home runs, like, it's not often a top prospect. You know, we've had A.J. Reed twice. We've had Kevin Crone. I mean, yes, we've also had Gallo and Bryant, but I think that, you know, it oftentimes is not someone who's highly ranked that we're, is the obvious choice. So that's why I'm going with Jeremiah Jackson. Samuel. I, I think the points both of you made were very strong ones in that. Um, the name I actually had written down was the same as Josh. So I'm, I'm going to ride Torkelson as well. What Kelsey's saying is 100% true. Like Torkelson has the best power among top 100 prospects right now. Does that mean he's going to win? Absolutely not. That's not just what I'm basing this off. Um, and he does have a little bit of a tougher road starting out at West Michigan and going through the Midwest League, which is traditionally more of a pitcher's league than some of these other teams. And given what we saw, what the AAA ball did uh, to power numbers two years ago, it, it feels weird to pick outside of AAA. I, I'll agree with that as well. But here's the reason why I take Torkelson, because you look back at his numbers at Arizona State, and they were insane. Barry Bonds had the Arizona State freshman home run record prior to Spencer Torkelson. Barry Bonds hit 11 homers as a freshman. Spencer Torkelson hit 25. He doubled Barry Bonds' record and then some. Um, if, if not for the pandemic-shortened year, he probably would have set the all-time record in Arizona State home runs, and that would have been as a junior, not even as a senior. Uh, he hit 54, which was too shy of Bob Horner's record. Uh, he had a career slugging percentage of 729 in NCAA. Uh, you know, the power is, is very real. That's all that's with a, with a metal bat. I get that. Um, but Kelsey, you mentioned, you know, top prospects who have won the Bauman Award in the past. And, and Chris Bryant was that guy who did it in his first and only full minor league season. Torkelson is almost the exact same type. Now, Bryant got to play in the Pacific, the old Pacific Coast League, which certainly aided his numbers. Torkelson's not going to get that opportunity, but I could see him climbing quickly, you know, dipping his toe in at West Michigan, being up in Erie, 
by June, potentially finishing out the year at Toledo and playing with that triple A ball. And then all of a sudden finishing with 35, 40 homers. I think that's within reach for him, given his ceiling. Um, so yeah, if, if, if you're taking Spencer Torkelson or the field, obviously take the field. Um, there's going to be pop-up prospects. Your Casey Goldens who compete every year and, and come through who aren't names on our radars coming into the year. But um, in terms of somebody who I'm just going to zero in on, I think Torkelson, that power is finally going to get to play when he's getting to play a hundred plus games and making the same adjustments he was making in college. Uh, Tyler, you get, you get to round it out now. I was going to pick Torkelson too, but since I'm going last, I'm going to try to have an alternate for all of these. And the guy that I'm going to select is Red Sox first base prospect, Tristan Cassis, who hit 20 home runs uh, in his first stop in full season ball back in 2019. And a guy who uh, the power obviously is very good in grades, I believe is a 60 um, on the MLB 20 to 80 scouting scale, but he's just such a mature hitter. And he played the vast majority of his games at class A Greenville in 2019. Um, Salem, he only saw a couple of games at Salem, but in two games at Salem, he did hit a homer. Um, and so Tristan Cass is a guy who I think as he continues to grow into his body, I mean, he's already listed at 6'4", 252. Um, you get better, you kind of figure out your mechanics, you figure out pitching, all of that. Uh, he's going to be a, a fun bat to watch. He's also evidently, according to a report I saw, uh, going to play for the United States in the Olympic qualifying event in Florida in, in June, which theoretically would mean if the U.S. qualifies for that, he would uh, possibly be on the Olympic roster as well for Tokyo coming up later this summer, too. So maybe something like that would hinder his ability to chase a, a mark in the minor leagues in 2021. But um, I love the power for Tristan Cassis. I really feel like he has the ability to be in that conversation. Um, the pitching version of this most strikeouts in the minor leagues in 2021. Josh, take it away. Uh, most strikeouts. I've got Spencer Torkel. Uh, that. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but it's crazy how it works. He's just uh, so, he's so dynamic. No, I think, you know, Max Meyer is just too filthy with a, with his fastball slider combination to go with anybody else. Like if you watch, um, you know, go, I think you can find pitching ninja tweets of, of his slider. You can find stuff on YouTube of him in college. Um, watch that slider and, then know that he pairs it with a 70 grade fastball and, and know that, you know, um, yeah, he's going to be facing competition that I think at least in the beginning of the year, he'll be a little bit, probably a little bit ahead of, um, to, yeah, I mean, depending on where he ends up, but anyway, I think he's just got the stuff to be like a, a strikeout machine. And he's another guy who I just don't really see the Marlins necessarily like finding a need to bring him um, to rush him along. I think he'll get the time to be in the minors and pile up a ridiculous amount of strike. I like it. Kelsey. Uh, that is a good one. I am going with Grayson Rodriguez, the Orioles, uh, their number two prospect. Um, you know, back in 2019, he had 129 Ks and only 94 innings, which is insane. Um, but like, what has he done lately? Well, he, his fastball, which was already a 65 grade, um, now touches 99. So he's gotten even better there. He already has a plus slider and effective curveball, And now he's added spin to his changeup to really play off that fastball well. So I, the only thing that would be a hindrance of him leading strikeouts, I would guess, is if the Orioles do call him up. Um, you know, if he starts the year in double A and then they see him in September, earlier, maybe August. But I still think that Grayson Rodriguez will be in contention and probably the leader. 
Another good one. Sam. Uh, Josh and I apparently are deep on the 2020 draft in this because I'm, I'm not going to take Max Meyer. Max Meyer was somebody I consider definitely because of that that fastball slider mix, but I'm actually going to go with Azel Lisa. Ah! I got to so get an Apparently, so was Tyler. Uh, <laughs> or he was just, actually, that, that was my second pick. That was my second pick. Yeah. It, well, he's a Lacey fourth overall pick last year. Um, the reason I like him over a Meyer maybe this year is just because I, I think the depth of the arsenal is a little bit better. Um, he's got four pitches, all of which grade out at above average to plus the fastball slider and changeup are all plus pitches, uh, decent control. Uh, the curveball is a little behind those other pitches, but this is somebody who in college playing in the sec uh, struck out 224 batters in 152 innings. Uh, in his last year as a junior, he struck out 46 and 24 innings. That was cut short. My, my biggest question with him is going to be, what is his innings limit? Uh, because, you know, that junior year was capped because of the, the pandemic. And then how much was he able to make up later in the year with Kansas City? What does that mean for what he can he's able to do this summer as it goes along? That could kind of hurt his case. But in terms of having multiple pitches to work with, they're going to start him out at high A. A lot of those high A batters are not going, going to have seen this many options from one pitcher before. I like that he's left-handed. I like that he's he's durable at six foot four. Um, I, I just think all the pieces are there for him to potentially rack him up this year. And again, it's possible that the Royals get aggressive with him in the way that they've gotten aggressive with Brady Singer and Chris Bubich in recent years. But um, Bubich was a minor league strikeout leader two years ago. The Royals seem to like giving guys their chances. Uh, to acquire, you know, to rack up strikeouts. I think Lacey plugs himself in really well in that system and, and can potentially follow in Bubich's footsteps. Um, so Tyler, did you have Lacey or do you have one of your alternate picks? Here? No, I did have Lacey, but I am going to throw out an alternate at you. And it's a weird wild card kind of one. Um, and everything would have to fall in a very strange way for this to happen. But Mackenzie Gore isn't in San Diego yet. And if Mackenzie Gore, for whatever reason, finds himself in the minor leagues for a lengthy stretch of time this year, um, I mean, that dude's stuff is absurd. His strikeout numbers are ridiculous. Back in 2019, uh, between two teams, he struck out 135 and 101 innings pitched. Um, I find it hard to envision a scenario in which we don't see him in San Diego. But if that rotation stays healthy and they remain very good, um, you know, I mean, we just saw uh, turns through the rotation where they decided to go with six men um, due to a, an injury. They've gone with options ahead of Mackenzie Gore so far. So I think there is something to suggest that maybe there's a little bit more refinement that they would like to see there. Um, I'm not sure if it will be uh, a situation in San Diego where Ryan Weather sticks in the rotation um, or if he is a guy who they're going to shift back to the bullpen at some point that opens a door um, for, for uh, promotion for somebody like Mackenzie Gore. But if he's down in the minor leagues, he's going to be racking up strikeouts and whether that's in, you know, El Paso or he's uh, eventually going to make that jump to San Diego on a, a quicker track. Um, he is definitely uh, at least, potential contender in this, depending on how things lay out this year for the Padres. Um, we already kind of know who the top discussion point uh, as far as a minor league system would be in 2021. And that's the Tampa Bay race. So we're removing them from this conversation, but what is the farm system that we are going to be talking about most in 2021? That is not the Tampa Bay Rays. Josh. Well, you set me up with a great transition there with the Mackenzie Gore talk, because for me, it's the Padres. I, uh, you know, I think they're really going to be scratching for a division title. And if they're not, their fans are going to be 
livid that they haven't pulled out all stops to to do so. Um, and they just have, I mean, you mentioned Weathers, you mentioned Gore. They have not only prospects who are on the brink or or will be by the end of, you know, or halfway through or more than that of a minor league season, but very, very good prospects, top prospects who are in that position with with Gore, um, with Weathers, with uh, Tukupita Marcano and Luis Camposano and uh, and CJ Abrams and Horeana and and more. There's more people than the however many I just named. Um, you know, I, I just think that it's a team that people are going to be talking about at the big league level, and they have um, stock there to help them overcome whatever little uh, roster obstacles pump up, bump up, or 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 just guys start you know really producing in the minors and, and like cannot be denied uh, a major league chance that can happen with that system too. So, so they're my pick. San Diego Padres for Josh, Kelsey, who you got? Uh, the Padres are a good one. I feel like we're always talking about the Mariners Padres or the race. Um, so I'm going with the Mariners. You know, we already talk about Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez all the time. You know, Jamel is currently in the majors, but and hopefully he's up there for good, but we could end up seeing him again as the roster shakes out. Um, but yeah, Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez in itself are guys we're going to be talking about um, every night, if not almost every night. And then on top of that, you've got Emerson Hancock, George uh, Kirby, uh, Novel V. Marti, who are making their full season debuts this year. It'll be really interesting to see how they you know, adjust to that, especially Emerson Hancock, who was a draft pick last year. Um, and then, of course, you got Logan Gilbert, who's one of the best pitchers in the minors, the when we last left the minors, um, and I think he's just going to continue. I mean, he could be up in the majors at some point, but before then, he, I think he'll continue to be one of the better ones in the minors. Um, yeah, you know, I thought about other organizations, like we're going to be talking about Torkelson, as you guys already did, and Riley Green a lot with the Tigers, but just the amount of depth and the top 100 depth Mariners have, I just don't know how we're not going to be talking about them all the time. Sam, I feel like you're going to grab mine for some reason. Oh, interesting. I, I, cause I was going to say, I, I, I like this category now cause we have some diversity here and I do feel like we've covered good, good amount of ground and Tyler is still staring at me. Very concerned. Uh, I'm going with the Pittsburgh pirates. Ah, interesting. Yeah. The, the reason I'm taking the pirates is because I like the pirate system as it is. Um, there is a, a, there is a pretty big emphasis obviously on the system coming into this year. They have surprised so far. They've done better than any of us would have really expected. And that's without key Brian Hayes, who has been out with a wrist injury. Uh, but looking at the way they've built their system, it's very much a rebuilding system um, with the layers of talent here. They got Nick Gonzalez was their first round pick last year. Quinn Priester really came along la last season as well. He's now a top 100 name. Uh, O'Neill Cruz is a very, very tall shortstop, but one who can mash. And no matter if they move him to right field or to third base or wherever, it, he can hit enough to, to make a, um, an impact at the next level. But it's the next group of guys that I'm actually most excited to see this year. Leover Paguero, I think, is a borderline top 100 name for sure. Hudson Head, uh, who they got from the Padres in the Joe Musgrove trade. Uh, one of the prospects I'm looking forward to seeing most because it seems like he was tracking up for sure. Uh, he was a third round pick in 2019. It seemed like he was on the cusp there. Dinaj Thomas and Brennan Malone would be one of the best pitching prospects in almost any other system, if not for Quinn Priester. Both of those guys, I think, as they get more experience, could have top 100 potential as well. And then, of course, the big thing hanging over this, and I know you guys will, will love this, 
is that the Pirates have the number one overall pick. So they are going to be adding a, a Jack Leiter, a Kumar Rocker, a, you know, a, a Jordan Lawler. One of those guys, they're going to be adding to this, this system. And after that, it's going to kick that system really into overdrive and give it a superstar that they're going to lose at some point in Hayes. Um, so the, the draft is going to be a big opportunity for them to add even more talent. But I think given those next group of names that could really take off at the lower levels this year, we could be talking about this pirate system having as many top 100 prospects, maybe as the Rays did coming into 2021. I, I don't want to explicitly predict that, but the potential is there. And I think we're week in and week out, we could be talking about this mix of guys for sure. So Tyler, who, who is the team that you actually thought I was going to say? I thought you were going to go with the Tigers um, and the Tigers are, are my pick and um, you know, five guys in the top 100 coming into 2021 uh, the, one of the reasons why I think the Tigers are most intriguing is similarly to what you said with the pirates, that high draft spot for them. Um, I think the Tigers are going to end I know the last, uh, the first and most recent MLB pipeline mock draft, uh, had the Tigers getting Kumar rocker out of Vanderbilt to number three. Um, if you had Kumar rocker to a group that already includes Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal and Matt Manning and the amount of pitching talent that's in that system. Um, you've got Riley Green, you've got Spencer Torkelson. That is, you know, Detroit fans have been starved for that team to be back to where it was, you know, for the the middle portions of the the first 20 plus years of, uh, of this century. They've been needing that for a while. And I think the Tigers are finally on the verge of getting everybody uh, to the major league level. What's going to be huge is not only if you can get those guys there, but if you can build things behind them that are sustainable. So if you have a circumstance where Mize graduates and Scoobles in the rotation now and Manning gets there when Torkelson's on the way and Riley Green's on the way and Kumar Rocker could be just a couple years behind him, then you open longer windows of contention. It's not just, okay, this wave all arrived at once, got to get a few good years out of them and then we'll we'll shift to another rebuild. Um, I feel like the Tigers have really put together something that potentially is very long lasting there, um, which is a great thing for uh fans in in motown to try to build uh especially something in that division when everybody else seems to be kind of coming back to the pack with the exception maybe the royals who have um, really pieced together an interesting farm system as well uh the prospect most likely to go viral in 2021 uh whether a an obscene performance uh an insane start to the season a crazy highlight josh give us your your take uh so I, I stuck in that in the Padre system with CJ Abrams because he's a player who, you know, I can see like a game where he steals like four bases and hits a home run and makes an incredible defensive play. And I also I already mentioned like that that fan uh, interest level of of the Padre of Padres for the Padres fans. If there's a situation where there's like not a spot for him in the big leagues and he's just like, I mean, he's got, he's got the tools both offensively and defensively to, to be like a wow factor kind of player um, for gifts. You can make some gifts out of some CJ Abrams uh, plays if you want to, or gifs even if you prefer. Um, and I think, you know, if, if there's, if he's doing all that stuff and there's no spot for him on the big league roster and fans are like super engaged and it's just going to make them like go crazy over, over uh you know whatever these gifts and gifs that we can get of him are going to be not only gifts and gifs but uh maybe even videos as well these are all the things that we learned on the internet are so important in 2021 um kelsey your thoughts 
I mean, it's hard to follow up that, uh, but I decided to go with someone who's already gone viral just to stick with what we know. And that's Hunter Green. You know, he throws like a million miles an hour, kind of a hundred, but um, he went viral last year because he threw a ball through a moving car. Like what? Like, you know, a few years ago, he had a lot of hype going into the draft at coming out of uh, Notre Dame high school. And then it just kind of, he's been hit with injuries and surgeries and now he's back. And I know people are very anxiously excited to watch him finally throw a hundred in a real game. And I just think that as soon as those clips come in, people are going to be sharing them left and right. You know, I normally go with defense on this category. You know, I love a diving catch in the outfield um, or a home run robbery, but with the growth of pitching ninja and other outlets like that, it just feels like pitching is getting its due on the internet and in, social media. So yeah, I, I mean, it's not necessarily the most exciting, but I think his pitching does enough of the excitement. So I'm picking Hunter Green. I like that, that Sam. What was the, the I, th- I believe there was a pipeline story the other day that said he's already hitting 104. Like Seems pretty he's good. doing that and we can get reaction shots of like the stadium and somebody zooming in on the, the radar gun. I mean, that's, that's going to spread far and wide for sure. That's um, correct. It's in the um, it's in the Reds uh, minor league spring training report. Exactly. There you go. Check that out on on MLB Pipeline. Um, I'm sticking with uh, with another infielder uh, who kind of like what Kelsey was saying has already gone viral in his own way this spring. In Bobby Witt Jr. Um, I don't know how long Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be around in the minors, and that's crazy to say about a 20 year old who two years ago was in high school. Um, but the Royals seem to be more than willing to get aggressive with him. He was a standout last year at the alternate site. We heard that and everybody said he held his own against advanced competitions. Like, okay, great. Then this spring, he really did it. He did it in front of cameras. He did it in front of folks. He went viral for a 480 foot, 484 foot home run, um, which is insane. And if he's going to do that in games now against, you know, non-major league competition, I think there's the potential for him to hit several 450 foot blasts. Um, that's going to be huge. The defensive tools, kind of what you were saying, with C.J. Abrams are certainly there. Uh, the Royals have said they're going to try to keep him on the left side of the infield, so either at shortstop or third base. There's potential for him to make strong throws across the diamond, go viral in that way. Um, but I just think the power is incredible from him. I think there's a lot of hype on him coming into the year, and it is justified. Uh, so anything he does starting out at A Northwest Arkansas is going to be under that microscope already. And if he can carry the results he already had in spring training uh, to the double A central circuit, it, we're, we're going to see a lot of those highlights come through. Um, so wit is my pick, but any of these three are, are definite candidates. Tyler, do you got a different one? I do. Um, I think with the current uh, maybe most viral guy in major league baseball being Shohei Otani, uh, I still believe in Brendan McKay having the ability to maybe on one night uh, dominate on the pitcher's mound at some point in his career and then launch some sort of monster bomb. Now, obviously, with Brendan McKay, I'm not sure how long this is going to last. He's had shoulder surgery. Um, the the two-way thing for the guys who are coming up in the minor leagues, I think we've all seen that it can be done, but the likelihood that anybody is going to continue doing it at such a high level as somebody like Shohei Otani uh, is probably very low. Hunter Green's a perfect example, a guy who came in potentially as a two-way guy and very quickly into his career um, was shifted to one side of that. But I feel like there's the potential 
that we see something big out of a two-way guy this year, uh, and especially being in a, a world that is so now open as a fan mindset to the, the two-way star. Uh, who knows? We'll see. Uh, let's move in to our uh, penultimate category, as one Benjamin Hill would say, which is the exact date that Wander Franco will be called up. This is like one of those, like, when is the baby going to be born? Uh, when is Wander Franco's major league career going to be born, Josh Jackson? Okay, is it? I mean, I was thinking about actually asking to not go first on this one, just, <laughs> just to see um, if my thinking was like a stupid... <laughs> Just have fun with it, Josh. As possible, and then change just it. Just say the date, Josh. Just, just. I mean, Josh is like December fourteenth. Yeah, that is kind of dumb. <laughs> That's my brother's birthday, <laughs> um, for real. Uh, but uh, so I have two numbers. I have two dates written down here. The first one is um, September first? Question mark. Okay. And then the next one is July twenty third. Okay. I don't think okay. either of those are dumb. Why would you have thought either of those were dumb? Yeah. This is a guessing uh, game. I never... I had total confidence the whole time. <laughs> That's why you picked two. July 23rd expert. or September 1st. September 1st. Okay. I dig it. Mm-hmm. Kelsey? Um, I went with my birthday. I went with August 10th. So I don't know what you're talking about of having stupid reasoning because I don't think that exists. Um, yeah, I, I remember... Vlad Jr. got called up on my mom's birthday, and that was fun. And I remember Chris Bryant got called up while I was at a Rangers playoff game. So I don't know. I just feel like these these unexpected or top prospect playoff or call-ups tend to happen when I'm doing something fun. So I figure why not my 30th birthday is when the Rays will choose to bring up the top prospect in baseball. So, and also August makes sense, you know, in terms of, I mean, is the trade deadline normal this year? Is it? Yes. Okay. Okay. But so in terms of that, I don't know. I just, again, it's hard to predict these things. It's hard to predict what the Rays are going to do. I mean, just look at the Yankees and the Red Sox. Um, It's hard to predict what Wander's going to do in the minors um, or what injuries occur for the Rays. Hopefully, you know, Adamus or someone like that doesn't get injured, but like they could get injured tomorrow and they need Wander or something like that. I don't know. Um, So yeah, I'm just going to have fun with it and say my birthday, August 10th. Damn. Um, I apparently am going to be the most aggressive person here, at least so far, unless Tyler is going to say the day before this podcast. I'm going to go the day before, just like Price is Right. Yeah. I'm going to say May 28th. Wow. May. Um, I was not going to. I apparently have been the aggressive person and like the entire MLB editorial staff on on when the Rays are going to call up Wander Franco because I was part of a draft for Rookies of the Year. last month and i had i believe the fourth pick and i went with wander franco and there were some people who thought that was a little crazy but i i do think he's legitimately going to be a rookie of the year candidate this year um the rays you know they're gonna try to be try to hang with the yankees and the blue jays and right now they're doing a better job of that than the yankees for sure the red sox are surprising in the al east but um the reason why the rays are going to be successful is their willingness to bring up prospects um, we saw it last year in the postseason when they brought in Shane McClanahan. Now Shane McClanahan is a part of the pitching uh, group. That he just made his regular season debut today as we're recording this. Uh, Luis Patino they brought up in April. The, both of those guys had at least seen the majors. I get that. But if they want to keep this rolling, 
Uh, Wander Franco is too good of a hitter to keep down for long. It's a legitimate 80 grade hit tool. Uh, they're going to try to get him time with Durham at other spots, some looks at second, some looks at third base. Uh, it sounds like Wander Franco has a good relationship with Willie Adamas, isn't trying to knock him off short. So that makes it easier to swallow when they're going to move him around. Uh, he also knows that Taylor Walls might actually be the better defensive shortstop. So maybe they move him over to third, but the bat's going to play no matter what. Um, and he's been getting time at the alternate site this entire time. It's not like he needs to be built up. Uh, the results have been there from what I've heard uh, at the alternate site. I don't think he needs much time to continue, continue cooking. I just think he needs a little bit of time to, to show he can do it under the bright lights. But after that, if you're the Rays and you really want to go for it and actually get the World Series that you didn't get last year, uh, you need to rely on your best prospect who is showing that he's basically major league ready. So three, four weeks in the minors. And uh, I expect Juan Franco to be up, but I could be very aggressive on that for sure. I was going to say July 1st. I thought that was kind of aggressive too, but I guess not Mr. Aggressive Samuel. I mean, I'm, if you want to say May no, 20th, I like it. you can. I like, like it. Go right on ahead. Uh, <laughs> May, 20, May 27th. Uh, like July 1st would also make sense because it's two months, which is crazy to think. Right. Right. And that's kind of my thought process is if he goes out and just dominates for a while, I think the Rays are going to need to figure out a plan at the major league level. If everybody's healthy of, okay, how do we get him into the lineup on a regular basis? Um, Is he immediately going to come up and be uh, an everyday starter? Is he going to be somebody who comes off the bench for a little bit? Like what is going to be the plan for him? And if they're playing well, um, obviously you want to add somebody who's talented like that, but you need to figure out a plan for it as well. So you don't have him on a major league roster and not get him the regular work uh, that he would be getting if he was in Durham or wherever else. Um, So with that, and reach our final category of the day, which is the top overall prospect going into opening day of 2022. And to that, we turn to Josh Jackson. You know, I wanted to pick Bobby, Bobby Witt, but I felt like, you know, I, I put Torkelson down for 35 or 40 home runs. And if he does do that, how is he not like the, the top prospect next year? So I guess I have to say Torkelson. Okay. I think that's fair. Kelsey. Let's go. And I pick CJ Abrams, who Josh has previously mentioned. He's also, you know, in the top 10. I just feel like most of the guys ahead of Abrams, like Witt, um, you know, and obviously like Adley and Wander could end up like losing their rookie status before then or just be on their way out. Um, plus, you know, there's another shortstop in San Diego you haven't heard. And so they're not going to be in a rush to get CJ Abrams up there. So that's who I'm going with. He's a very high ceiling and all the tools, you know, his defense and speed and his ability to hit for average. Um, So, yeah. Samuel. Uh, In the interest of giving us multiple options here, because I I definitely consider both Abrams and Torkelton, I'm going to go with Marco Luciano, who is giving me very much Wander Franco vibes. Wow. Um, if you remember Wander Franco a couple of years ago, coming out of short season, he was really good at Princeton. We thought, hey, if this guy can do it over a full season, then we'll be talking about him as the number one overall prospect in baseball. Spoiler alert, he did. Uh, Luciano is very much in that same camp. He's number 14 overall right now. Um, two years ago, he played 47 games. And he's in the Giants 10 home runs. For, for those who are unaware. What's that? He's in the Giants system for those in the Giants. Aware. Top, yes. top Giants prospect. Top Giants prospect, yes. Um, still very young, only 19 years old. But they, the Giants sent him to their alternate site last year. And you want to talk about somebody who went viral. They love sharing clips of him they, because there were clips to share. 
That's the other thing is that he was showing off major power uh, last year at the alternate site for the Giants. Um, even as part of summer camp, when he was playing at the major league park, uh, he was standing out. So he had 10 homers in 47 games two years ago, got a chance to, to face much more advanced pitching last year, um, you know, to make those adjustments, know what to, to see uh, coming into this year. And again, if he can do this for 120 games, hit 300 slug above 550 or even 600, uh, be a shortstop with a plus arm. He's not necessarily a good runner. He's not going to have those same tools that CJ Abrams will or, or Bobby Witt Jr. will. But I think the hit tool is going to be so good and the power is going to be so good. Uh, and plus the fact that he's going to play the middle of the infield, unlike a Spencer Torkelson, I could see Luciano jumping that line. But any of the candidates we have so far are, are certainly good ones. Uh, Tyler, do you have a fourth one or do you want to take one of those? Three? Yeah, no, I mean, I do think it's going to be Torkelson, but the other guy who I think it could be um, is Adley Rushman, because I don't know if Adley Rushman is going to graduate from prospect status. He, I know there was a report from MLB.com earlier this month that if he does debut, it's not going to be until late in the season. Um, so I think Rushman could still be there as well. And especially now, you know, having gotten so much experience last year at the alt site, um, I think the O's very much have a full picture of what they've got in him. Um, so if they want to see him exercise, handling a full staff, doing all of that at double A, triple A, um, you know, before they challenge him in Baltimore toward the end of the season, maybe he is still a prospect when we head into 2022 and he is that good. Um, I mean, I think it will be Torkelson, but I think Rushman could be in that conversation as well. So that's all of my correct answers. Just, you know, that got, that elicited nothing but <laughs> Like those laughs. Like everybody was muted. It wasn't just that there was completely devoid of laughter. He tells the listeners desperately <laughs> trying to cover his joke. Uh, but it, it did not get raucous laughter. We'll, we'll put it that way. I have been taking notes. I have been taking notes this whole time. Okay. Um, so we don't have to go back. Like when we do this, when we revisit this in the fall, um, the notes are already be taken. But do you want go me ahead. to run through here real quick? Yeah, let's go. Let's hear them. All right. So the just rundown. as a refresher for who everybody took. Most homers in the minors. I and Josh both had Spencer Torkelson. Kelsey had Jeremiah Jackson. The Angel system, Tyler, had Tristan Cassis. Uh, most strikeouts in the minors. Josh had Max Meyer. Kelsey, Grayson Rodriguez. Me and Tyler sort of had Asa Lacey, uh, but Tyler also brought up Mackenzie Gore. Which farm system will we talk about most outside of the Rays? Uh, Josh had the San Diego Padres. Kelsey had the Seattle Mariners. I had the Pittsburgh Pirates. And Tyler had the Detroit Tigers. Prospect most likely to go viral. Josh had C.J. Abrams. Kelsey had Hunter Green. I had Bobby Witt Jr. Tyler had Brendan McKay. Uh, name the exact date in which Wander Franco gets called up. Josh had both July 23rd and September 1st, question mark. Uh, Kelsey had August 12th. I had May 28th. And Tyler had July 1st. And then number one overall prospect on this date next year or on opening day 2022 uh josh had spencer torkelson kelsey had actually i didn't take notes on who did who did you have kelsey for oh cj abrams cj abrams um i had marco luciano and tyler had adley rutschman to be fair i had spencer torkelson also you okay i'm just fine. picking multiple to be fair my birthday is august 10th not august 12th i don't know why oh I damn what kind of notes are these I don't know. They're already Plus. inaccurate. Notes are incorrect or incomplete. This I was giving you two Sam, extra days to be right. Sending That's Sam right. back to do it over. Mm -hmm. um, so that'll do it for our uh, our season preview segment on this week's episode of the show before the show. It feels just so great to be able to talk about, oh, there's a minor league season that is on 
the docket and uh we're finally going to get to do this again and it's so great to do it with you guys again as always josh and kelsey for swinging by uh at uh, a, a time in which you know at least here i know the sun is shining and it feels like baseball season but it's just so awesome to be in a circumstance where we are getting to do this again again so thanks guys yeah, I mean we're all winners, so because my like baseball is back. Exactly. Make and Casey Golden's fun. gonna hit sixty-five home runs. <laughs> <laughs> the Casey Golden Award presented by Josh Jackson. The show before the show continues next. Our opening week edition of the show before the show podcast, the official podcast of minor league baseball. And it feels so good to be speaking with uh, actual real live members of the minor league baseball community as of late. And uh, one of those, one of the best in my estimation, one of the best dudes at all of baseball, a, uh, a writer, a podcaster, a broadcaster extraordinaire. And now I am so delighted and thrilled to be able to say, Again, the radio voice of the AAA Albuquerque Isotopes, Josh Sushan joins the show. Actually, from Las Vegas, Nevada. Just getting a, like the last few hands of blackjack in before, right? <laughs> um, not exactly. Hands in blackjack. <laughs> but, uh, I don't even think that's the term. <laughs> I screwed that up. Um, you know what? I am so happy that. I am once again the voice of the isotopes and that there will be baseball in the very near future to call and describe. And even though it's going to be different, it's like, I don't care that it's going to be different, like whatever. Um, We missed it for so many reasons. And it's just super exciting for, for the players who missed out on a year of development for the communities who missed out on their team, for the broadcasters and grounds crew and everybody who does all of this work in order to make it happen just so excited that we all get to do it again, even if it's not the normal way, like whatever, who cares? It's, it's different and that's fine. And we've kind of gotten to that stage wow. with a lot of things in life. And it just feels so good to have some semblance of normalcy back in, in certain things, and especially in the sports world. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you, you know, Sam and I were, were texting back and forth about like, well, who should we bring on this week? Who'd be an interesting guest to have on with opening day coming up? And there are, you know, innumerable people across the minor leagues. I texted Sam and said, what about Josh and Albuquerque? Because your situation has been so unique since the pandemic hit. Obviously, all of us who work in live sports uh, or in any sort of event where people have to gather in numbers, we were all kind of in the same boat last March and April with all the uncertainty, not knowing if there was going to be a season, not knowing when there was going to be a season. And then when the season was canceled, not really knowing what happened next. You were in a state in New Mexico where the state government took the the coronavirus very seriously locked down canceled athletic events canceled basically any gatherings of uh, of people over a, a very small amount um, and that included uh, not only obviously the the Tobes games and what crowds would have been had we had a season last year but also University of New Mexico athletics and you do a lot of stuff uh, with the Lobos at this time in 2020 um, headed in toward you know the fall and basketball season and um, the the football team was essentially on the road for the entire season for UNM you're in this spot where well let's go back to the beginning when you first were starting to get wind that oh we're not going to have a season this year take me through kind of March April May and what was going on in your world you know it's um I I look back now I'll, I'll never forget that it was Friday the 13th which is when the sports world completely shut down right it was two nights before that is when Rudy Gobert tested positive yeah and I remember like earlier that day, I remember talking to one of my coworkers and I just said to him, there's no way that we're going to start on time. 
And I go, but don't worry, bro. This is what's going to happen. They're just going to do games at spring training facility for like two weeks, no fans. And then, and then we'll start like in late April. I go, don't worry. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> right? Isn't and it amazing when you think back to that? And it's like, ah, yeah. two weeks and we'll be back in business. Yeah. Like, that was what everybody yeah. thought. Yeah. And, and then Rudy Gobert says positive. And I remember coming in the next day that I was like, all right, so we probably won't start in late April, but you know, like middle of May for sure. Like there's, there's no doubt about it. Like middle of May. And then like two weeks after that, I was just like, all right, well, of course by Memorial day. And then like two weeks after that, I was like, all right, 4th of July, absolutely positively. We'll still have a season. <laughs> About two weeks after that, I realized, no, like we're, um, the majors might be able to start, but there's just no way that the minors going to be able to play. And, um, and I, and I think that once, once the official announcement came, I had realized that this was going to happen for a while as a lot of us did in this industry. And so I think that softened the blow, but I was still a lot more devastated than I thought that I would be when that became official. And then I get furloughed as hundreds, if not thousands of others throughout minor league baseball um, get furloughed and then trying to figure out, okay, what's next? You know, when, when am I going to get brought back? What is that going to look like? Is there going to be a 2021? And, and, and so then a lot of different questions go through your mind there. But again, to go back to the beginning, yeah, I thought, all right, we'll just start like two weeks late. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> it's so crazy to think back on those first few weeks and just how, you know, I think at least as I describe myself, just like how naive I now feel about the whole thing, looking back of, oh, well, you know, we can flatten the curve. I think essentially we'll probably be okay within a few months. Um, and that obviously did not play out. So when did it come to kind of the front of your mind of like, all right, I need to figure out what the next step is going to be, at least maybe temporarily. You end up latching on with with University of Nevada Athletics and working with the Wolfpack and doing baseball games for them. Um, but especially with the complications with UNM and all those types of things, ordinarily a minor league broadcaster, the offseason's kind of, okay, I'll get uh, you know these other events. Maybe I'll do some sales work if you're in a front office where you do that as part of your job. Um, but this was such a scramble. And one of the reasons why I felt like you were such a good person for us to talk to for this episode is you had to go through so many different variations of like, okay, what do I do to keep myself on this track right now while accounting for potentially in 2021, I'm going to be back in the isotopes job. I mean, what were those next steps like for you? It, it was just a constant mental. Um, I felt like I had a mental spreadsheet in my mind for the entire summer into the fall. Like, okay, how much money do I have? How much money do I need in order to get through the end of baseball season? Okay. How much money do I need to get through the fall? How much money do I need to get through the end of the year? And then you start thinking, okay, if I get brought back on January 1st, then this is how much money I need. So is that going to be enough? And then you start thinking about, okay, this is how much I'm getting for unemployment. And then you start reading the headlines about, okay, this program is stopped. Okay. But this program might get added and this, how much, you know, you might get from unemployment. And, and so just constantly doing that. Okay. Well, if I dip into savings or what if I do this with a credit card or what if I, you know, take money out of an IRA or, or what if I can do, you know, do I deliver? Do I do DoorDash? Do I do Uber? Am I even allowed to do those kind of things? Do I take a part-time job in order to help pay the bills? Do I take a full-time job and just say, you know what, maybe this was the sign that it's onto the next chapter of my life. I mean, that, that was just a constant daily um, thing that, that I was going through and look, everyone else in minor league baseball is going through the same thing. And, and I'm not someone who just sits around well and doesn't work. I'm someone who needs to do something or else I go crazy. So even though I spent a lot of time looking for jobs, in the back of my mind, I didn't want any of them because I really liked the job that I had. But there just wasn't a guarantee when I would get that job back or what it was going to look like. 
So all of that led me to a roundabout way. As you mentioned, the University of New Mexico, they were not allowed to play home games. The football team played all road games. The basketball team had to travel to another state just to practice. And you start you start reading the tea leaves even more, starting to wonder, like, well, what am I going to do here? Is this, is this you know, am I going to run out of money? <laughs> and so um, long story longer here, I, I heard about an opening with the University of Nevada, which is in Reno, to do women's basketball and baseball broadcasts. And as it turned out, my mom lives in the Reno area. My dad lives in Tahoe. I haven't been able to spend a whole lot of time around my parents over the last really like 15 years. And so I thought, well, this is a time that I can spend some quality time with them. I can save money. I can move in with mom. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to lie. You know, there, there's an ego blow when you're my age. Let's not say exactly how old I am, but there's an ego blow when like I have to move back in with my parents really at this age, like everything that I've done and I have to do this. But I remember um, Johnny Dosco, the announcer for the Sacramento river cats. He told me this, I'll never forget this Tyler. He said, anytime you start to feel sorry for yourself that you're moving back into the, with your mom, you need to punch yourself in the face, <laughs> right? And, and I was just like, what? And he said, do you realize how many people wish they could move back in with their mom? Do you know how many people's moms are no longer with us or how many people's moms would not allow that or don't have room for it? He goes, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Feel sorry for yourself because you're moving back in with your mom. He's like, stop that attitude. Punch yourself in the face if you do that. You get to spend time with your mom again. The one thing that you can count on is family. So that was the best piece of advice that, that, that I've probably heard the entire pandemic. And so, yeah, I moved back in with my mom and we made dinner and we watched Netflix shows together. And sometimes <laughs> I cooked and sometimes she cooked. And then she, she had to undergo an emergency appendectomy and I was there to help take care of her and cook and clean and, and, and be there for her. And so that was not something that we wanted, but I was glad that I was there and I got to work. I got to do, I got to call some games for the Wolfpack for women's basketball and then for baseball. And, and, and I got to see what it's like to do, to do the job, to be involved in sports during the pandemic and what it's like to get tested three times a week and what it, what it means to, to, to understand what it means to be inside a bubble and, and, and not just think about yourself, but think about the other people who would be impacted if I test positive. And would that mean a shutdown for that team because their broadcaster tested positive? So just being super careful about everything that you do, um, you know, and then again, to make this long story even longer and then like, okay, minor league baseball is coming back. You know, do I have a job? Do I want to go back? Will they allow me to go back? Well, what about what I was doing with the Wolfpack? You know, am I going to be able to navigate this? And so, um, the Wolfpack were great. They understood. Um, it really helped that John Ramey, who is the football and men's basketball announcer, has done a bunch of baseball. And he said, hey, I'll cover the last three weeks for you. So at the time that we're recording this, um, you know, I did one last weekend of baseball games and then drove from Reno to Albuquerque. And uh, John Ramey's going to finish off the last three weeks and then I can go back to doing the isotopes. And so it, it, it's crazy how it all worked out. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just grateful that I have family and that I have good friends who gave me really good advice. To pull back the curtain a little bit, you and I have been friends for a little while now. And I feel like we very instantly, I think like the, the first or second time that we ever met or hung out, I think we moved very quickly to the, oh, we're two guys who have deep existential thoughts about things 
all the time. And so we got in the, we got into those conversations very quickly yeah. and I knew you'd have a really good perspective on everything that you've been through over the last year. And I would imagine that it's been, you know, you're kind of in a position where you're speaking on behalf of, we can't have every single minor league broadcaster on the show, but there are a lot of men and women across the industry who have been in your position, whether for a minor league baseball team or for a collegiate team or professional team in another sport or whatever it is, when you kind of started to get, the feeling that the Topes wanted you back and this thing may happen. Um, I think you and I are probably also very similar in that, you know, you were recording this the night before opening day for everybody, except for your league, you guys are the stragglers. You'll open up on Thursday, triple a West, but I still have kind of thought to myself, like, I'm not going to get excited until it's here and it's going to be here tomorrow. I mean, when you first started talking with the Topes, about coming back and now being this close to it, what are the emotions? What were the emotions like? And what are they like now being so close? Well, I, I think the first emotion was I want to be there when the isotopes come back to life that I want to. And, and part of that is selfish. And part of that is selfish in, in thinking that the community is going to be like, okay, it's our familiar voice that, you know, whether they liked me or kind of like me, just hearing a familiar voice, I, I hope makes them um, happy that, things are starting to get back to normal. And again, selfishly, I wanted to be a part of it. I, I was there for the last game uh, in 2019 and I wanted to be there again when 2021 comes back. And so just thinking about what's that first broadcast going to be like and what do you say and, and, and how do you frame the broadcast differently was, is all um, things that I've thought about. And then as it starts to get closer and closer, I actually um, somewhat stumbled upon a video that one of my coworkers, Rebecca Zook made, she made it in late March and, and it was, it was just beautiful at the time. And it was just about, you know, we know that times are hard and, but remember the good times that we've had, remember the good times that we're going to have again. And um, the video was beautiful. And when we put it on all, all of our social and I saw it again and I actually just retweeted it out because I just got goosebumps. Like I got so fired up just watching it. It's like a minute and a half. And I just got so pumped um, about calling games, but also, you know, the grounds crew dancing and, you know, the seventh inning stretch or whatever. And even though there's all these things on the field that we're not going to be allowed to do this year, just the idea that that's what we did in the past. And eventually that's going to happen again, but we've got baseball and, and seeing, you know, Dom Nunez hit a home run and Sam Hilliard hit a home run and Jonathan Daza make a diving catch. And just all of those things were just so cool. And it made me even more excited to, to finally get back to baseball, which I, and again, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that, that I'm trying to speak for all the others in the industry because we all went through this and um, communities went through this. And oh, by the way, there is the whole contraction thing. And some communities are losing their team and it's a totally different or it's going down a different level. And so you add all of the stress and anxiety about minor league contraction and how that's all going to change. And it's been so many emotions. And then once we actually play baseball, it'll, it'll be like, OK, at least we've got baseball now. And, you know, 72 hours from right now, you're going to be on air doing a game, um, which I would imagine has got to feel pretty amazing to think that you're that close. And you're going to be doing a game uh, that's somewhat historic because it'll be Sugarland's first matchup uh, in an affiliated context. The, the Skeeters jumping into the affiliated ranks, now the AAA affiliate of the Astros, uh, the Isotopes, the AAA affiliate of the Rockies. And this year, obviously, things look so different in so many ways across the minor league baseball spectrum but from a practical standpoint for you as a broadcaster this year tell us about what's different because i know certain you know broadcasters won't be traveling in in for a lot of leagues a lot of levels a lot of teams um 
post-game media availability, pre-game media availability, all of that is different. We're going to be doing all of our stuff. I would imagine like you and I are doing right now over Zoom. Uh, I would think you've probably stayed up many nights and been awakened in a, a restless, dripping sweat nightmare about the slightly larger bases with a less slippery <laughs> surface that you're going to be dealing with in AAA. Uh, tell us about the practical things for you as a broadcaster in 2021 that um, you know are kind of sticking out as you get close to this. Well, the number one thing that I always stress over is the pregame show. It's did my equipment arrive on this, on, on this flight? Okay. Did it get brought to the ballpark? Okay. And like with each one of these things that I check off, my anxiety level goes a little bit lower. Like, okay, Southwest airlines did not lose my bag. Okay, good. Okay. The visiting team's clubby uh, did not forget it at the airport. It's at the ballpark. Okay, good. Okay. Now I brought it to the booth. Okay. The internet works. Okay. We got connected to the radio station. Like all of these things you're like checking off. I didn't forget any cords. Okay. All of those things. Then it's like, okay, how am I going to do this pregame show? Who am I going to interview? What's the content going to be? Um, and so then you get to that this year and you're like, Oh, yeah how am I going to get these interviews and just the time that you spent just being around the cage and yeah. talking to guys and just these casual conversations and one of the things that I like to do is I like to fill out my scorebook while sitting in the dugout and I do it for a number of reasons number one I want to make sure that I'm that I'm available in case somebody's upset with something I had to say in, in last night's game. I don't want them to have to go looking for me. Not that I'm ripping our team, but you, you never Old know. Controversial Sushan. He's, yeah. he's just up there <laughs> trashing everybody all the time. <laughs> you just never know what someone's girlfriend or mom yeah. or grand, you no, know, grandparent fair. hurt. So I want to make sure that I'm there. I want to make sure that they see me. They mean the players see this is how I prepare. This is how I get ready for a game. Be able to ask them questions. Um, and, and, and I think it just becomes a very, um, casual organic way to start conversations as well like hey i'm in the dugout i'm filling out my scorebook i'm at the cage i'm watching you guys hit so all of those things are going to be so different and so you know those are the things we're trying to figure out and i'm hoping that with each month of the season we can get a little bit closer to what we did in the past and we'll see how that goes i'm probably not going to travel to begin the season i know there's a lot of other broadcasters who will not travel then you start to think okay wait how how good was was salt lake at following the flight of the ball or you know, how good is Sugarland going to be at, at showing where the ball is and, and whether someone is stealing second base? You know, um, the major league announcers have lots of cameras and lots of monitors right. so that they can do remote broadcasts. We're not going to have that luxury. I'm going to have one feed. So some of those road broadcasts are going to be really hard and you start to worry about, I want to sound good. I want to be professional. I, I take immense pride in being as good as I can possibly be, but I don't want it, the broadcast to be too good. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, I, I, don't want, I don't want people to go, man, I didn't know the difference that you weren't even at the ballpark. And then someone gets the idea. Never oh, yeah. a road trip again. <laughs> right, yeah. So it's quite the balancing act of, it is of how good I want to be on these road games. <laughs> that is a very good point. And also, I think, I mean, if you're somebody who's, who's young and is interested in getting into this business, that's great advice of the – you know, being around, being visible, being able to make those kind of organic connections. And those are like the little things that are sort of lost in our world as a whole today, where you can't just go out and happen to bump into somebody you've never met at a bar or, you know, all those things that we've lost over the last year plus. Um, but we're, we're starting to see these little signs of life and they all feel so meaningful and they all feel so important. Um, to be somebody who has been in that community for so long. And um, you've got kind of one of the, the more unique um, setups radio wise, you do every game solo. Um, and you really have such a relationship with isotopes fans with that community. 
And I asked you before we started recording when the last time was that you were there and Nevada just had a road trip to play UNM. So you were there a few weeks ago, but before then you hadn't been in Albuquerque since November, um, which is probably the longest you've been away from Albuquerque in quite some time. I mean, to get back to that community and to be able to be a voice who provides something that provides so much happiness to so many people, have you thought much about, I mean, I know you said earlier that you had thought a little bit about it, but what you're going to try to convey when you do get on air of, man, this is back and and we're going to try to make this thing the best it can be this year. Yeah. You know, I, I think for the, for the first game, even for the first homestand, the details of what happens in the game is of course you can't, it's not like you're going to neglect what happens in the game, but the story. And you mentioned I was a writer. I mean, I, I feel like I'm a journalist first and a, and a play-by-play announcer second. And so the story is that we're playing games and this is how many people are in the ballpark. And, and these are, this is, you know, this is who's wearing masks and th- just setting the scene of what it feels like to be in the ballpark, because number one, not everyone has the ability to be in the ballpark. There's going to be restrictions on percentages of people who are allowed. And so it becomes even more about really painting the picture of what's happening in the ballpark, not just on the field. Usually I think you start on the field first and then based on that, then you kind of expand out wider to what's happening around and, for the first homestand, maybe even for the first month, I think it's going to be more about, no, this is the ballpark experience first. And then the, the ball game is kind of one B, especially when there's not a whole lot going on. And then once there's a lot of runs and all that, then, then you, then you flip that. So even just explaining to people who are the Sugarland Skeeters and why are the Sugarland Skeeters playing the Mariachis de Nuevo Mexico and reminding people that the Mariachis are the same team as the isotopes. It's the same players and the same coaches. <laughs> they just wear different uniforms six times a year because we like to do these fun things in minor league baseball. So just reminding people of certain things um, is, is going to be, um, I, I think really important that first homestand. Josh, I'm going to end on this one with you. Um, and this is a question that I always like to ask players and I ask it in a, in a different context about, um, you know, kind of going back to early on in their careers. If you could go back to this time last year, middle of April, we're all, you know, shuttered in our homes, very um, worried about the world at large and where we're headed. Um, if you could talk to that Josh and tell him something to keep in mind over the following 12 months, especially with so much still unknown in the industry at that time. Uh, We didn't even know until I think June that there was officially not going to be a minor league season. If you could go back a year and talk to yourself, what do you think that conversation would be like? Uh, I think the first thing would be uh, it's going to be worse than you think. It's not going to get better for a long, long time. Yeah. I would say um, don't panic. But, but you should panic a little bit. <laughs> like, like panic a little, but don't panic a lot. A healthy amount of panic. Uh, yeah, a healthy amount of panic. Um, stay open-minded, stay flexible, stay nimble. Um, I would probably remind myself to make sure that you get outside and go for walks and go for hikes and do those types of things to mentally take care of yourself. I would also say make sure you check in on your coworkers and your friends to check in on them just as much. As you're, as you're checking on yourself and you know, let's, let's, we, we can't literally lean on each other, but whether it's through the phone or whether it's, you know, through a hike when we're six feet apart or whatever, like we, we can, we can help each other get through this in some way. Um, because yeah, it's going to get worse. It's going to get way worse. And it did. And this is a man of his word because Josh checked in on me throughout the pandemic. And, uh, and I know, 
uh, how difficult this has been for all of us. And to be able to be in a circumstance now where we're so close to it is just, there were a lot of times over the last year where I thought like, are we ever going to get back to, to something resembling any kind of normalcy? And to be in a spot where uh, 72 hours from now, like I said, you're going to be on the air and I'm going to have you tuned in. And I think all of you tuning into this podcast right now should have Josh tuned in as well at MILB.TV, just a shameless plug. Um, it feels pretty damn good, man. And uh, I can't be more thrilled for you heading back to Albuquerque. Please drive safely tomorrow. Let me know when you get there. I'll be okay. like your mom. I'm sure she said the same thing. Uh, but congrats, man, on uh, on the Wolfpack stuff. And can't wait to hear you on the on the airwaves coming out of Albuquerque again. Thanks, Tyler. Uh, I, I appreciate you having me on, and, and even just asking the questions have got me even more fired up than I was. So it's good to uh, you know to, to to get those emotions going because it's fine. We can be emotional about this stuff. We should be. And it does feel good in a way, you know, early on, all the emotions were so negative and now to be back in a place where it's like, Hey, we're going to do this again is, uh, is a pretty awesome feeling. And, uh, Josh Sushan, you can find on Twitter at Josh underscore Sushan S U C H O N. And, uh, like I said, just one of the best human beings in this business and any other. And thanks, man. I can't wait to see you either down there or up here again. And, uh, and we'll have some fun. Absolutely. We sure will. Thanks again, Tyler. For the final time in the offseason that never ends, we get set to say goodbye for this week's episode of the show before the show because minor league baseball is back. And we have so many thank yous to hand out this week. Uh, of course, to Benjamin Hill and our very own Josh Jackson and Kelsey Hennigan. Josh Sushan, the radio voice of the Albuquerque Isotopes, who you can find uh, all season long at MILB TV and uh, on the Topes radio broadcast as well. And uh, for... All of you who have tuned in for the last, especially year plus, I mean, like like Ben noted in the open of the show today, it's been 19 months since we've had minor league baseball, but the last 13, 14 months when we were really so unsure as to whether or how or when we would get minor league baseball back and what it would look like when we did, um, there have been a lot of really tough days in there for all of us who've worked in this industry, and so many of you have helped uplift us and keep us going uh, in a professional context in so many ways. And we would quite literally not be able to do this show without you. And especially for the first, you know, however many months uh, of the pandemic, when our listenership went up month after month throughout the entirety of what would have been the season. Um, and, you know, then getting into the off season and continuing to see those numbers grow uh, over where they had been, you know, even just a year prior coming off of a normal minor league season. I think if we have all learned anything, in 2020 and in 2021, it is to take nothing for granted and for a minor league season to have returned and for an opening day to be uh, on deck or, you know, underway by the time you're listening to this, this is a, a very special episode to have tuned into. And without all of you, we would not have been able to do it at all. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't say that any better. Um, just with the way everybody has reached out to us and responded to things, it's, it's one thing to feel like you're talking into a can and and keeping things moving and talking about minor league baseball the best you can, but for people to actually gravitate towards this stuff means that minor league baseball means something to all of us. And that's, that's huge. And that means, you know, tomorrow is all the more special because if it means this much to us, we know just how much it means to you guys at home as well. Um, wherever home is, you know, that could be anywhere. You could be listening to a game in Washington. You could be listening to a game in Florida, Maine, Southern California, all corners of the United States and around the world, too. Um, we know lots of people overseas who are tuned into this stuff, too, and care about this stuff just as much. So thank you so much for doing that uh, and, and sticking with us and getting us to this moment. 
because, you know, like I said at the beginning, we, we always thought this moment was coming and we thought it was coming a few times and it never did. And now it is true, truly and well here. Um, but Tyler, this is going to end on kind of a normal, regular note because normally we end the show. And I say normally in, in 2019, we used to end the show with Mill TV Game of the Week. Yeah. We get to do that now. That is true. Now, we didn't really prepare for this. We, we, I mean, we've been preparing for this for 19 months, obviously, but um, we don't really have picks. So I, I'm just going to blanketly say pick any game. Yeah. Pick any game on MILB TV. Yeah. Watch it to completion. Like just watch the entire game. Just enjoy everything that's happening on your screen. You can click around too. I'm not going to judge you if you do. Watch as many games as you can. Uh, but just choose a game that's important to you. Maybe it's your hometown team. Maybe it's your favorite major league team's affiliate. Uh, maybe it's a team that you never got to see before in HDTV that now you can because Mill TV is new and improved this year. Um, just pick one and you're bound to not be disappointed. Uh, there are two that are starting out. New Hampshire at Portland is at six o'clock, as is Bowie at Altoona. Uh, Bowie now has Adley Rutschman. That's that's huge. So right out of the gate, we're getting a huge prospect, but also Austin Martin and Jordan Groshans will be with New Hampshire. So that's a loaded roster as well. You can't go wrong. Just pick a game. We'll come back next week. We'll have much more specific uh, games to pick, but we'll also have a week's full of minor league baseball to talk about. And I can't wait for that either. And after those two games, 53 more games on Tuesday to get you through the first evening of the 2021 minor league season. And man, it feels so good to say that. Uh, so happy opening day to everybody except the AAA West and a happy opening day to all of them on Thursday. And uh, for Sam Dykstra, I'm Tyler Mon. Enjoy minor league opening week. We will talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>